Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 163. We will be starting with the second paragraph. We know of an AA member. We will be reading through four paragraphs to create and end with on page 164 to create the fellowship you crave. Comments will be on all paragraphs. Today's readers are Janice M., Maura Z., Lisa B. The share ID for Tuesday, October 24th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 10,582. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 10,583. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is the fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's sister tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Alexis H. to read the 12 steps. Press star one to unmute. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. This is Alexis H. in Michigan, compulsive overeater, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit that we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to do service, and have a great day. Thank you, Alexis, Alexis H. I will now ask KB to read the 12 Traditions. This is KB from Florida, reading the 12 Traditions of Overeaters. 
Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. This is Kay. I pass. Thank you, KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 163, starting with the second paragraph. We know of an AA member. We will be reading through four paragraphs, ending on page 164, to create the fellowship you crave. Comments will be on all. I will now ask Janice M. to begin reading. Well, thank you, Julie R., and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We know of an AA member who was living in a large community. 
He had lived there but a few weeks when he found that the place probably contained more alcoholics per square mile than any city in the country. This was only a few days ago at this writing in 1939. The authorities were much concerned. He got in touch with a prominent psychiatrist who had undertaken certain responsibilities for the mental health of the community. The doctor proved to be able and exceedingly anxious to adopt any workable method of handling the situation. So we inquired, what did our friend have on the ball? Well, the answer, our friend proceeded to tell him, and with such good effect that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from the clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution. So our fellow worker will soon have friends galore. Some of them may sink and perhaps never get up, but if our experience is a criterion, more than half of those approached will become fellows of Alcoholics Anonymous. When a few men in this city have found themselves and have discovered the joy of helping others to face life again, there will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. Still, you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. Quote, we cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Well, this is a, a historical a historical account of, of what happened then in 1939, 1935, with Bill becoming recovered and and now today in a vision for you. It's a great historical account that uh, they knew. They knew which meant that, you know, they've experienced this particular man. His name happens to be Hank Parkhurst. And believe it or not, I, I, I did some research, and he was Bill's first sponsee, believe it or not. I mean, we may think it was Dr. Bob, but it was this man here. And they were very, very, um, they met in the town's hospital. And, of course, we know that Bill was the first recovered alcoholic in New York. But it showed how, you know, this group, this group with just the one and then the two. And, um, you know, he, he Dr. Silkworth um, mentions this man quite a bit, you know, in doctor's opinion, stating that this was the man that, um, you know, he adopted the plan outlined in this book, um, talking about this Hank. He was a business dynamo, but more important, he did get sober. But, you know, um, he, he was sober for like four years. But, you know, life, life goes on and, you know, things happen in life. We get resentful and this man became resentful. And this is what happened to us, to me. You know, if we don't do these steps, the resentments will kill us and we will go back to our substance, to our addiction. But more important here with that little history 
is that these doctors, this doctor was so excited. He was exceedingly anxious to what? To find, adopt any workable method. Well, I had a lot of workable methods that just worked uh, very temporarily. But the method that really worked was the 12 steps. And um, this is what happened because they were recovered and they gave them the 12 steps. They were so happy because the stream of misery which flows through that institution, what used to happen, they used to come, they used to go, they used to come, they used to go. And, you know, it couldn't be realized that, gee, you know, they got dried out. Abstinence. Abstinence doesn't. It doesn't um, convince us that we're going to be recovered. It's just abstinence. It's the beginning. So they they saw here that, um, so this fellow worker had many, many friends. And uh, because of their experience, that was the measurement. That was the criteria. That was the living proof of how people who had addiction, alcoholics, and us, our compulsive overeater, how we now live life. And um, that's the whole secret, because now we've found a power greater than ourselves that will determine, thank you, God, that that was determined for me, you know, because uh, I was coming from another group. And um, I knew I had to follow recovery. And um, that's really what I craved. And it says here with this asterisk that, Alcoholics Anonymous will be glad to hear from you. And it gives address, P.O., Box 459, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, because they want to hear the success because all, all of us, this can happen to all of us if you want it. If you don't want it, it's okay. We'll just say, like Dr. Bob, next, you know, keep giving the message. And that's my time, and I will pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Janice M. Again, we are on page 163, starting with the second paragraph, reading through four paragraphs, ending on page 164. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And if we can say say our name once so that I can write it down. Um, And who would like to share on these paragraphs? Elaine B. Kim J. Elaine. Okay, hold on. Elaine B. Kim G. Okay, hold on. I think we're going to stop here. Elaine B, Kim G, um, Barbara E, Harlan G, and I missed one person. Nancy A. Nancy A. And we'll take one more on this round. Anyone else? Tina S. Tina S. Okay, we're going to stop there. Elaine B., Kim G. Uh, Go ahead, Elaine B. Thank you very much um, for your service. Wow, what a transformation we get to experience as a result of these steps. And I'll be honest with you, one of the greatest ones is just that last sentence here, that we will learn how to create the community that we crave. I had no idea when I was, uh, you know, sitting with my with my cat in my lap and a and a pint of Ben and Jerry's 
in my hand and then some brownies or cookies scattered around because, you know, that was never going to be enough. Watching TV night after night, being eaten alive by the loneliness, the desperation that I had. But by then, I had given up on the path of bulimia my sister had taken or anorexia. My other sister had been hospitalized or um, you know, my mom, Mother Hubbard, <laughs> was her nickname because the cupboard was bare. Instead, I decided to wear fat like a badge and just embrace the fact that I am a compulsive overeater. Well, you know what? That is exactly what I needed to embrace when I started step one. However, I had the motivation to begin to make a change for my life. As soon as I came into the rooms, I saw people who had worked the steps, had something different. They had some confidence. It was above and beyond the right size body. There was just something different about them. And it appealed to me all the way through. It took a long time for me to find a way to get through the steps. I tried several different methods and and they didn't work for me. But you know what? Every one of those people, every one of those steps was part of my journey and it kept me alive. So um, when I was able to get through these steps four years ago, I had no idea that the loneliness that I crave would be filled by uh, an incredible network of compulsive overeaters <laughs> that are living in the solution one day at a time and newcomers that are coming in and I get to share my experience, strength, and hope with. And some of them I get to guide through this book. And um, that I'm able to be in uh, – live in a place where I can be honest and where, you know, not only is the weight gone, so much of the stuff that gets between me and my creator um, that kept me from being who I was created to be, from getting, from being able to feel safe telling the truth, from getting in touch with what I like and who I am and how to live my life and how to straighten out the ways that I'm kind of a little bit off, those normal human instincts of fear, you know, would just go way off. And, and now I can equal that with, with faith and get right-sized again um, in that area and uh, resentments and just everything. I just cannot encourage enough newcomers that are coming in to grab hold of the solution because truly there's a community that you crave just waiting to happen. And the greatest one is with a power greater than yourself that will help you not just with your food, but with all your problems today. And thank you for the opportunity to share. And I pass. Thank you, Elaine B. Kim G., followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Oh, goodness. Um, Create the fellowship you crave. You know, that's such a beautiful line. But I have to tell you, I've done that my entire time in Overeaters Anonymous. Because, you see, when I was in relapse, I would create the fellowship I'd crave of only being around people in relapse. When I was only tools-focused, I only hung around people that did the tools. When I was worshiping a food plan, I would only hang around people that worshiped a food plan, just like mine. So I had to ask myself, what do I crave today? You know, seven years ago, I made the decision to crave a spiritual solution as a result of these steps. And let me tell you, when when I pursued that, my entire life changed. And I also love the line. It says, everyone in that town has had the opportunity to recover, if he can and will. You know, I personally believe there's a sacred space when someone hears a clear message and someone's ears and hearts are open. When those two things don't happen at the same time, recovery is difficult. So how am I going to create that opportunity on a consistent basis? Because I don't know who ears and hearts are going to be open. So I think to myself as an individual, 
you know, my returning phone calls and my staying after the meetings and trying to seek out that newcomer versus running out of the meeting or mainly only talking to socially to my friends. You know, am I willing to sponsor one more person that feels a little bit uncomfortable and too much for my schedule? Because the reality that I see personally is we have about a 5% recovery rate in Overeaters Anonymous, and the 5% of those people are trying to, trying to sponsor the 95%. So what can I do as an individual to help another person recover to take that pressure off that 5%? You know, my meetings, look at, my, look at the formats. Are the formats supporting recovery? Are they supporting disease? I know personally in my area, hardly any meetings even have an abstinence requirement at all. And I think of a girl in my, in my inner group who came to me who came from AA, and the, and the leader of the meeting had been in OA for 20 years, and she, she said that she had only been abstinent for two weeks. And she came up to this newcomer and said, you know what, honey, I know you're in AA, but in OA, sometimes the best we can do is get two weeks. I mean, how is a meeting carrying a message of depth and weight with that? And then I think of with our inner groups. How are inner groups supporting it? Personally, I see a lot of retreats with body image and tools versus steps kind of ideas. How are we as a 12-step program supporting the steps in our inner groups? I just want to end with this because it was sad. I, I did a, a third-step meeting in, in, um, in, in New Jersey one time, and I was told that I wasn't going to be asked back because they were very upset with all that step talk because OA was about meetings and tools only, and they didn't want to hear the steps in that meeting. What a sad reflection, but what an opportunity for those of us who are recovered and are focused on a 12-step program to create that opportunity in OA individually, in our meetings, and in our inner groups. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Barbara E., followed by Harlan G. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Oh, wonderful. I love this part because what I read into it was that this man reached out to the medical community and the medical community, seeing the need of it, got him started in organizing a group and that it is attraction, not promotion. So by telling his story to others and being willing to work with others and acknowledging that some will fail, and some will succeed, but it's not about us and relying on God and the use of the 12 steps. We can, we will recover, but prayer is not enough. Reading the big book is not enough for me. I have to take the action. I have to be willing because I am a compulsive overeater. I've been compulsively overeating since birth. I would wrap food up very securely in a in tinfoil, put it in a Ziploc bag, throw it in the garbage, knowing full well I would go back to it later. I ate not three meals a day, but one meal a day all day long. I woke up in the morning nauseous from all the food I'd eaten the night before with firm resolve that today would be different, and it wasn't. By 9 a.m., I was off and running again, and kept going until I fell asleep at night and even woke up in the middle of the night to continue eating. Life was a disaster. I did speak to my doctor who asked me how I had lost all the weight, and I said, Overeaters Anonymous. And his response was, I've never heard of it. 
I said, if you have someone who you think might benefit, please have them give me a call. I'll be glad to share my experience, my story. I did have to get abstinent. I did have to use the tool to lose the weight. But that I did not lose what was going on between my ears. I did not lose the characteristics or character defects, if you prefer it. I was selfish, self-centered, still am. Uh, it, It comes and goes. But all I know is since I've joined OA and joined Vision for You, I now recognize when I'm being arrogant, judgmental, self-centered, and I don't like it, and I've got to do something about it. So I do, one step at a time. Thank you so much. I see my time is up, so I pass to other recovering members. Thank you, Barbara E. Harlan G., followed by Nancy A. Thank you, Julie, for this wonderful meeting. Thank you for your service. And, Julie, I also want to thank Team Wednesday for their service as well. We are here this morning, over 280 people on this line this morning, not just because of Bill and Bob and not just because of this person or that person, but because of a rich tapestry of people who came in at unlikely times from unlikely directions to help us be together this morning. Let's take a look at some of those people. We obviously have Hank Parkhurst, who is the AA member living in a large community. But the psychiatrist who they're talking about is Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey. Now, Dr. Howard had a very profound effect on the book that we're reading this morning because he told Bill that he didn't think that a book that had its finger in your face could be successful. And he told Bill that alcoholics are sensitive rebels, sensitive, immature rebels, and that they will not respond to a you-must-do-this book and a you-must-do-that book. They will respond to a book that says, we did this and we experienced this. And it had a profound effect on Bill and made the book much, much more palatable. And Dr. Howard of Montclair, New Jersey, left his mark. Now, we're going to talk about for just a second here, our friend proceeded to tell him with such good effect that the doctor agreed to a test among his patients and certain other alcoholics from a clinic which he attends. Arrangements were also made with the chief psychiatrist of a large public hospital to select still others from the stream of misery which flows through that institution, and that would be Russell Bladesdale. Dr. Russell Bladesdale had a profound effect because he believed in the work being done of one alcoholic to another alcoholic. And he repudiated the the way of doing things that said only a psychiatrist, only a doctor, only a trained professional could help these people. And Dr. Russell Bladesdale, he believed that one alcoholic to the other. And then when we look here, and, and they were rewriting the book almost as if it was going through the publisher in 1939, but it says, still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. 
God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is upon him. Notice that that's capitalized. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. There are over 280 of us on the line this morning. Did you see that coming when you first attended your first meeting? I didn't. Did you see the membership list growing? I didn't. Did you see the convention that we just had? I didn't. Come to the OA birthday in January in Los Angeles and see it again because it's going to be a spectacular convention and many of us from Vision are going to be there. This is the most magnificent way of life. Oh, and by the way, for the last 18 and a half years, I haven't found it necessary to compulsively overeat and I have done so happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Nancy A. followed by Tina S. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Hi. Um, thank you so much for your service, and thank you for the 280 people that are on the line today. Um, this is my first time sharing. I've been listening for for a couple of years, and I've been in OA for over 40 years, but I'm one of those people who are in and out. Um, and I'm so grateful for people like in the reading today who, who reached out and knew there were other people who needed help and said, how can I help them? And I, I'm so grateful that you're all there. And I'm calling today because my sponsor, my beloved sponsor, who I hadn't um, been calling because I've been trying to do this myself unsuccessfully, and I've been eating. I called her yesterday, and she said she would, of course, she would still be there for me. She's always, will always be there for me, and that means so much to me. And one of the things she she suggested is that I call today and I reach out and. Um, she she suggested that I ask for phone calls, and I know this isn't the meeting to leave my number, and I won't be able to do it at the next meeting because I'll be in work. But um, I did want to reach out and thank everyone, and um, I want to be part of this community. I want to recover. I haven't had sugar in, in nine years, but I'm eating um, – I have one day, actually. Today is my second day of abstinence. So actually, I'm not compulsively overeating, but I have been. And it's not possible to eat and have a manageable life because my life has become unmanageable. And I want to recover. And um, so I know this is one way to start. Um, I can't do the steps myself. I've been trying. I've been doing trying to do 10 10 steps and fourth steps all by myself. It doesn't work that way. So thank you so much again, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy A. Welcome to the line. Uh, Tina S., you're next. Thanks, Julie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff. Again, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love this part of the book also because it, it really reaffirms that the the message of uh, the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous has depth and weight and that this, 
the psychiatrist wanted to share this with his community and that we were able to and that this was God's plan. You know, I have to remember that ultimately that, you know, uh, I have a power greater than myself that, that helps me create the fellowship I want for sure, I crave, but also one day at a time keeps me doing the deal. And, you know, I... You know, I, I mean, I'm like almost speechless today because I've heard so many wonderful things. And then it is about that we carry this message and that the people that want what we have will do what we do, just like I do what my sponsor does because I want what she has and I continue to want that. I continue to see the example that this thing works in real life one day at a time. And if I take the action and that I continue to. You know, because I see a lot of people around me that they do it and they get it and then they stop doing it. They stop doing it. And, um, you know, so one day at a time, I'm going to continue to come back and I'm going to continue to um, ask God what I can do today for the man who is still sick and, and follow a food plan because it is but a food plan and to continue to stay abstinent and without a pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And um, we're going to open up for more sharing, and we are on page 163, starting with the second paragraph, reading through four paragraphs, ending on page 164, to create the fellowship you crave. And I heard Matt M. Who else would like to share? Leah M. Okay, Leah M. Larry. Larry K. Nessa R. Nessa R. Ramona A. Ramona A. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Great. Matt M. followed by Leah M. Thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. This is amazing. The paragraph here, it talks about how um, different different types of sponsorship and how um, different people came to be in the fellowship. I started one person at a time. And um, it's amazing how this, this chapter is sort of showing me that how many um, people can be helped if they're willing to follow the example set in the big book here. And I'm um, talking about the Towns Hospital um, here in this first paragraph here and um, second paragraph, excuse me. And I'm grateful for the, the, these people coming forward and doing this work because I wouldn't be here today. I'd probably be dead. And I'm just grateful that these people exist and this, this fellowship has grown up around us, around us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Leah M. followed by Maura Z. Thank you very much. Uh, God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Um, God uses recovered people, um, you know, and I realize that, uh, you know, we are, we are, uh, sufficient, um, but we're merely agents in doing that. We can be a catalyst and that's our responsibility and our obligation. You know, fellowship is so powerful. It is really powerful. However, it's not uh, powerful enough to create the vital change that's necessary for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater. See, for me, a real compulsive overeater, I need that obsession of the mind driven out, and I didn't understand that until it was explained to me, and I didn't understand that until it was explained to me the urgency and the necessity um, due to my problem of implementing these these 12 steps to drive out that obsession of the mind. And then once that occurs, 
I have responsibility and obligation to present an adequate representation of the program of recovery. My spiritual awakening is the direct result of a rigorous personal application of the suggestions in the big book for each of the 12 steps. And as a result of that, um, I recovered. January 19, 1987 uh, was the first day of that freedom from compulsive overeating. It was uh, time to get busy and trudging through the program of recovery that was outlined in this text with the help of someone in whom the problem had been solved. And the real program of recovery is outlined in the big book. Uh, It's a step process. It results in the spiritual awakening as a promised product and to continue to trudge steps 10, 11, and 12 as a daily practice of a way of life. That is the message that I am responsible to carry. And, I, you know, I've had the joy of carrying that when I had the, the uh, craving for fellowship like this and the, op- and the need to carry the message. It was 1988 that I carried the message in Maryland. It was 2001 carried the message in Minnesota, it was 2012 on this line, and other opportunities to do the same. And that fellowship builds up about me, and it's not about personalities and in any sense of the word. It's about a program of attraction. You know, meetings provide a forum to find and hear the program of recovery, but the 12 steps provide the formula uh, for the results that everybody is seeking, which is a spiritual awakening as a result of these 12 steps. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity uh, to continue to practice, you know, Tradition 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Maura Z, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. Maura Z recovered in Virginia starting my timer. When a few men in this city have found themselves, I had been searching for myself for years. Um, I didn't know who I was. So it was never possible for me to help anyone else. When, When I started working the steps, honestly, with someone in whom the problem had been solved. When someone opened up this book and started helping me to study it and to see the truths that are in it and the truths about myself, I was able to find myself. And in that finding, I was able to see and acknowledge others around me that were suffering. It stopped being Not 100% of the time, I'm still working on it, but it stopped being a story of just me against the world. And it started becoming my life in giving, in giving to others, and the joy, the absolute joy that I receive. It's almost as if it's, it's, I shouldn't be receiving such joy. It should be, you know, it should be labor. Um, It is labor, but it is purely a labor of love. Um, discovered the joy of helping others to face life again. There will be no stopping until everyone in that town has had his opportunity to recover, if he can and will. If he can and will. So I can carry the message, but I cannot make anyone recover. 
I cannot stop someone from putting in the food. I cannot stop somebody from hanging around with people who do nothing but go to all-you-can-eat restaurants. I can't stop people from sitting in their pity parties. I can only show people what I have been so generously given. I can only show people and tell people of my experience, my strength, and my hope. That's all I can do, but it is something that I must do in order to keep the gifts that I have been so generously blessed with. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maura Z. And Larry Kay, followed by Nessa R. Larry Kay, press star one. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The um, yeah, I want to I want to talk a little bit about this uh, this psychiatrist. Um, you know, it says. What, what, I guess one of the first things: Why would a psychiatrist, with all his training, all his synthetic knowledge, all his esteemed degrees, why, why would he want to seek a workable method for handling the situation? I mean, doesn't he have a workable method? See, I, I've got a, I've got a few tools in my toolbox. Wh- which one do you want? You, you want the, uh, you want the cognitive behavioral. I got that. You, you, oh, you, oh, you want a strictly uh, behavioral approach? Yeah, I, I got that one. I got that tool. Which, which of the latest, greatest do you want? You, you want the pharmacological approach? I got that one. You, you want psychoanalysis? You want to peel away all the layers of the onion? You want, you want to analyze your past? I, I have that one too. They're all great. They all work on some level. See, the problem with it is they wouldn't work for me with this particular thing. See, because I'm a compulsive overeater and I understand who I am today. I have a, a twofold nature of, of this disease. I have the allergy of the body and I have the, the mental twist. And no amount of psychoanalysis of my past. I have a past. You have your past. It was great. Oh, my gosh. Where could you go and talk about yourself for 50 minutes? What a what a lovely thing, and I'm not knocking it. I mean, I'm I'm not being sarcastic. I'm serious. Where can you talk about yourself for 50 minutes? It's wonderful. The problem is, I was dying in my disease. I was like a walking dead, dead inside, and I would leave those 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 therapy sessions, and I would binge my brains out. You know why? Because I'm a compulsive overeater. So, uh, you know, so when I read about this guy, um, you know, he had synthetic knowledge, he had degrees, he had all these things, he had all these, these, these uh, methodologies of uh, therapy and so forth, but they wouldn't work for a person like you. Now, you may think they will, and I would, I would, urge, you to, I would urge you to try them, see how they're working, ask you, how, how's it working for you? Not for this thing, not, not, not if, you're a, if you have an alcoholic mind like mine. It's not going to work. We tried it. So um, we have this workable method, and even psychiatrists and esteemed people, professionals, some of them that are have open minds, they're they're seeing that people are getting well. They're getting better. I, I needed the 12 steps in order to have a spiritual awakening 
that was not about science or therapeutic methodologies. It was about a complete restructuring, an inward restructuring of self. And when, and when that happened, amazingly, I don't want to compulsively overeat anymore. Neutrality. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Nessa R., followed by Ramona A. Hi, good morning. Vision for you, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. When I came into the rooms almost 15 years ago, I had no self-esteem. And not only I had no self-esteem, as I imagine most of us um, um, don't have when we come in, if not all of us, um, I believed that self-esteem was something that you got um, from being popular, having lots of friends, getting lots of pats on the back, um, even being thin, although I had been thin many times before and I still had no self-esteem. And what I have uh, realized, what I have learned in recovery is that self-esteem is something that comes from within. For me, it came as a result of recovering. You know, um, recovery brings self-esteem. Being honest about my food, uh, being abstinent and keeping my promises to myself and to others, um, doing the work honestly and recovering brought me a lot of self-esteem. Uh, but the real self-esteem came as a result of all that. And the, par- and the paragraph that we read spoke about and the joy of helping others. You know, self-esteem comes as a result of doing esteemable things. It's not an external thing. It's not something that we get or that I get from outside validation. Um, it comes from doing what needs to be done at the moment that it needs to be done. You know, of course, when I first come into the room, what needs to be done is put the foot down, be honest about it, be entirely abstinent, and then work the steps with the desperation of a drowning man so I can get to the recovered state. And once I'm recovered, um, I need to help others. Um, Help others through sponsoring as many people as I can, through um, answering phone calls, returning phone calls, through going to meetings to carry the message, speaking to newcomers. You know, um, that has given me such a um, big purpose in life. And that's where self-esteem comes from, from being useful, uh, from having purpose, from having meaning in my life beyond, you know, what are people going to say? Are people going to like me? You know, how am I going to look in this outfit? That never gave me self-esteem. But this program, the recovery and the contact, the meaningful, purposeful, useful contact with others uh, has not only brought me self-esteem, but an incredible amount of joy that I, I never even dreamed possible, that I looked for in so many places but never found. And here it is. You know, I wasn't looking for it, and this is what I found. And thank God for um, Overuse Anonymous and for the 12 steps, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Ramona A., you're next. Hi, this is Macy. Hi, this is Ramona A. in Vermont. Uh, can you hear me, Julie? Yes, I can. Okay, yes, thank you, and thank you for everyone who makes this meeting possible. Um, not not totally sure what I'm going to say. I know when I started in OA, I, it wasn't a big book meeting, but the steps I was told to go through the steps, get a sponsor right away, and I did that. It was very rigorous, and I started sponsoring. 
doing all the things that, you know, uh, we talk about needing to be done. And then I gave it up. And somehow during the next, oh, there was a relapse, and then I came back to OA, but then there was not uh, doing it and being afraid. And one of the things, I'm recovered now, but working through this, that has helped me in listening to this line and in listening to others is to work through all the fears and to um, you know be able to say, okay, I can talk or I can I can approach somebody or I can help somebody now because I wasn't able to help anybody during all this time in spite of sponsoring people. So, I'm sorry, Julie. I don't have a timer with me. Um, could you please let me know when it's time? Yes, I will. So at this point, I'm, I want to start helping people. I feel more confident, and I know that what I need to do, what is best to do, is to rely on my higher power to take care of all of that. You know, what, it, what I've been told is I need to do the things that uh, are the opposite of what's causing me the fear. You know, if I'm afraid of doing it, just do it anyway. And for some reason, that works. So it's just relying on God, relying on, yes, relying on all of you, of all the people out there, and giving it away as best I can. And that's what will keep the recovery. So thank you, and just thank you all. Bye. Thank you, Ramona A. And we can take two um, shares. Melissa C. Melissa C. Tina F. Tina F. Jeanette. Oh, Jeanette. Okay, go ahead, Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, like, so the joy of my life is um, not getting what I want. You know, that's been the huge shift. The joy is actually um, in giving to others. And we're really given direction here. I'm given clear direction here for what to do when I'm afraid. You know, and, and I shared recently that I was filled with some fear, some like stuff at work that, you know, thank you, God, because I'm in a program of recovery and I'm serious and, and working hard to not just maintain my my recovery but to grow um i dig deep and look at it you know and and i work it through with god and you know so what came to me was um yeah i was having some fear and it was you know people pleasing and worrying about how things look and i've got this really tough class this year and wow 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 i was really feeling sorry for myself and you know, my purpose is to be useful, like, yes, to my fellows, yes, in this recovery, but in general, to go out looking to serve others, and, and I really have an opportunity. So here I am at work the other day, and my superintendent walks in, and crazy enough, I find myself carrying the message of this program. Like, in a million years, I would have never thought that that's where I would have been, you know, doing with my boss. But she walked in, and um, she's only known me for a couple of years, this woman, and she happened to get my food. I was eating lunch, and she said, yeah, all you skinny people, you always eat 
vegetables. And I laughed. And, you know, first, like, ha-ha, to be called a skinny person, I would have thought that would be the greatest joy in life. But coming out of my mouth was the truth about who I was and what I have. And, um, and then she starts glancing at other class photos of me through the years, and her eyes fell on a picture of me from 10 years ago. And she said, I can't believe that's you. And then she starts telling me that she's never been this heavy in all her life and she can't stop eating. And so there I am creating um, the fellowship that I crave, telling her about our program of recovery, you know, telling her what I do, what I have. Um, And I saw her looking at me like, you know, like she was interested. What happens beyond that? You know, that's up to God. But I know, you know, boom, my fear was removed. It's like my purpose became really clear. And um, and that's what gives me joy. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Jeanette S., you're all our last share. Thank you. Um, Jeanette S., recovered from Newburgh, New York. Um, I just want to... The sentence, he will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. Um, I just want to thank the founder of A Vision for You for creating this fellowship. Um, I've been in a lot of A rooms and hardly ever do I hear... um, hear about the the steps. Uh, I hear about a lot of other things, but I don't hear about the steps. And now I'm in a community of people, a fellowship that I crave, I didn't even know I craved it, of people um, who are following the big book, who are interested in the steps, and who are recovering or recovered. Um, And I, you know, this past fall I was uh, it was it came to me that I really had a solid plan for taking myself out, and it scared the heck out of me. Um, and if I hadn't heard the word recovered, if I hadn't got um, tuned into Vision for You, I might not be here now. Um, and I so I just want to I just want to thank you for. Um, listening to this, to saying yes, to making the decision to go ahead and create the fellowship that you craved um, so that I can be part of it. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Jeanette S. It is now time to close our meeting, but I'd like to give you the share ID for today, Wednesday, October 25th, is 10,585. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Maura Z please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Maura Z, press star one. Yes, Julie, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Morrissey recovered in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.